0: You can forget a lot of things, Foster Care Nation, but never forget this. You're listening to Unparalleled Studios. uh, Studios. (laughs) I said no. Foster Foster Care Nation. Nation. Listen up. up. This is Foster Care and Unparalleled Trinity. Strength for the powerless. Courage for the fearful. Hope and healing for wounded hearts. welcome back to foster care and unparalleled journey with jason and amanda and today we have an author with us again because we like authors they have all kinds of great things to say and tell us about their experience the things that we would never have known otherwise we brought in today miss ann Hints. ann is an the author of a pathway to insight if you want to find more about her you can search her name on youtube or search for ann Hints wisdom on facebook and uh, her website is com. That's Ann without an E on the end. I'm just going to say that because I'm good at misspelling things. So if you're as good as I am at misspelling, that, that'll that get you the right spelling. Ann, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, we're glad to have you here. Well, as you know, and everybody else listening, if, you're, if you looked at the name of the podcast, you know we talk about foster care and adoption. And you have probably have a story that has something to do with one of those topics. So tell us, How did you get involved in the system?
1: Hi. Well, I was actually adopted myself. So my story is a little unusual, which I guess most most of them are. My my mother actually got pregnant while she was in New Zealand, and she didn't find out until she was on her way back to England via boats and hitchhiking across Canada in midwinter. and So she never actually told my birth father that she got pregnant. So he never found out that I even existed so she carried on away and uh, went to England and I was actually born with my right foot up against my right shin. So the first six weeks of my life, I had to have physical therapy. So she couldn't you know, hand me over for adoption straight away. We had to go through that. And then I was handed over into a family that had a boy that they had adopted earlier and they actually then adopted another little girl. And they raised her for six months. And at that time in England, I don't know if it's changed, but the birth mother could change her mind up to six months. And at six months, that birth mother changed her mind. So they had to hand that baby back to her mother that they had raised for six months. And then I was the replacement into the family for that loss.
0: Wow. (laughs) I'm just going to say, I just heard all kinds of trauma in that last statement right there.
1: Yes, yes, trauma for everyone, including my brother, right, who had had a sister for six months, and then I, I replaced her. So, yeah, one other little interesting thing about that story is that my my birth mother was handed the wrong adoption, the papers at adoption. So for an instant, she saw our family name and the village that we lived in. And at the time, there was only one big employer in that village, and it was a, a worldwide company called Cable and Wireless. And she happened to have a cousin who worked for the same company. So she looked through the company magazine and found my dad's name. So she had a connection to us. So, you know, time went on. My parents realized that my birth mother was not going to change her mind. So at six months, we started, my dad started working overseas again. So we went to Barbados first, and then we went to Sierra Leone in West Africa And while we were there, we had a house fire. So that was um, more trauma for for me because I was the one who woke up and saw the flames coming in through the bedroom wall. And then we moved to Hong Kong. And while we were in Hong Kong, I was sent to boarding school in England, which was my brother's boarding school. And I was the only girl boarder at the time. So and there was an awful lot of teasing that happened during those years. So there was more trauma. (laughs) And then we weren't actually told we were adopted until I was 13 and my brother was 15. And since my mother had this company magazine, she followed us as we moved around the world. So she knew when we were living in these different countries. And she happened to go back to England when I was 17 because her parents were starting to fail. And she contacted my birth mother at that point, which actually devastated her because it was illegal. Right. You were supposed to be 18 before you were contacted. And, And she was thinking that, you know, together we would search for my birth family. And that never happened but I did meet my birth mother then I met, met my grandparents met my half-brother so that was um intense that was that was one of the hardest things I've ever done is actually meeting my birth mother i i couldn't i couldn't look at her i looked down at the floor for a long time and that actually lifting my eyes up to look at her took so much effort it was really weird to experience and then my my adopted mother actually died when I was 19. So um, so that was actually a big trauma for me because I, I woke up, I was the only one in the house other than her and I woke and found her dead on the bathroom floor. So there was there was a bunch of different traumas in there. but And it was kind of weird because I almost felt like I'd been handed over to this adoption family for those first 19 years and then kind of felt like I was handed back to my birth mother. So So that was kind of strange.
0: Wow. We talk about trauma a lot because there's just a lot of it. Kids don't come into care because there's not something going on in their life. And, and, you know, adoption has its own level of traumas, whether, whether it's, it's a big, nasty, scary one, or just some level of losing that first birth family. So that's a lot of trauma for one human.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I do, I think we come in with with things from our birth family right because my brother and i obviously came we came from very different beginnings and both of my parents became alcoholics so um i had that to deal with as well and i kind of veered away from that and he veered towards it so he um was a chain smoker and he became an alcoholic and has died already from that alcoholism And yet we grew up in the same family. So yeah, to me, that's pretty
2: weird. You mentioned that, you know, they had a daughter that they had for six months and had to give back. And you felt like you were the replacement. Did you feel that way? You know, all those 19 years while your mother was alive? Did you always kind of feel like you were a replacement?
1: I never knew I was a replacement. Actually, it was only a few years ago that I found out from my cousin that I was the replacement because she remembers bathing this other little girl. And so my brother only found out about it a few months before he died. So I think it was all subconscious, right? Subconsciously, he never liked me. He he um could you could say he hated me. He you know, he definitely tried to um get rid of me a couple of times. Um, so, I think it was this subconscious loss that he he didn't know about,
0: okay, I have to ask about that phrase. He tried to get rid of you
1: <laughs> yeah he 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 would have liked me not to be around, yeah, I remember pillows being put over my head, and um I remember him trying to drown me one time, so yeah wow he didn't didn't want me around. <laughs>
0: yeah. You say that with a smile and laugh and I'm just gonna tell you I don't think most of us would be smiling and laughing at that.
1: Well, I've done a lot a lot of inner healing work, right? So now everything I went through is just a story to me. It doesn't have the emotions attached to it because I've worked through those. So um, you know in some ways I do believe that the more trauma we have in our childhood, the greater our capacity for growth. you know spiritual growth, emotional growth, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Because it gives us that capacity to do the inner work.
0: Well, you mentioned that, you know, you and your brother came through the same story and you have gone that way, but it doesn't sound like he went that way.
1: No, he didn't. He Yeah. So there's got to be something inside of us, right? That to me, I had this real um, strong will and desire to find out, what was going on and why, and and work through it, and he kind of just flowed with it more.
0: Wow, yeah, because that that resilience piece, right? That's that's one of those things that I think all humans struggle with to some level, you know, regardless of whether or not you're in foster care or adopted. Resilience is, is a skill set that that people need in their lives typically at some point, regardless of what your life looks like. But uh, but you really you really stepped into that, and that's. Any idea what the, the catalyst for that change in, in mentality was?
1: I don't really know what went on in those first few decades. <laughs> but I did, I mean, I had some of that. I had resistance to doing what they did. Um and I, I knew I had some issue, I had physical issues, I had digestive issues, and I, you know, my twenties and, and early 30s, I tried changing things with with diet mostly, and maybe with thinking right? trying to do positive thinking, nothing ever worked for very long. And it wasn't until I was in my late thirties and I had two young boys, I was a stay at home mother with two young boys. And I had kind of a, like a business altercation with a couple of other mothers at my boys school where they told me i had done something wrong. And I didn't think I had, and they were these very self-confident, self-assured authority type mothers. And I was this scared mother on the inside And my mind just spun out of control. And I was going over and over what they'd said and what I'd said and what had happened. And it was like three days. I couldn't sleep. And I was beating myself up on the inside. And that's when I realized I don't think this is normal. I don't think other people would react this way. And it made me think about it and realize that it felt a little bit like how I would react when my dad told me I'd done something wrong. So that was the little opening that maybe there's something from my childhood, which is so funny to say because there was so much. But at the time, it was just a little opening to think, OK, maybe there's something from my childhood that I haven't dealt with yet. And maybe that's my key. That's that's what's going to help me.
0: Wow. Now, yeah, I know you said you you reconnected with your birth mom. Are you still connected with her?
1: I am. She lives in New Zealand. Yes. She she got married afterwards, had two children, and she wasn't sure who my birth dad was. She had a photo. She didn't even engage with someone for six months. Decided it wasn't a good thing, and, and she left him. But she also had a one night stand in that time frame, <laughs> so she couldn't be sure who my father was. And it was actually um, just this last year through ancestry that I found out it was the, the guy that she was engaged to and um I found out that he died in 2013 this is just the last few months I found this out since the, since the beginning of this year died in 2013 um had an incredible life he was an opal miner in Australia and a race car driver and worked at a zoo and and he had a daughter just like less than two years after me so I have a new half-sister who lives in New Zealand so it, I being able to find out so much about him. He wrote up his life story. He did all these writings and his neighbor had them all on his computer and I managed to get them this year. Blew my mind what I found out about him.
0: Wow. That's incredible. (laughs)
1: Yeah. 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 Very fun.
0: I think most people who are raised by their biological family don't always have that level of, of connection with their, their parents' story.
1: Yes, very lucky. And, you know, part of the journey, part of the journey of the inner work, releasing all the baggage that we've been holding, all those traumas, things start happening that are fun like that, right? So I wasn't supposed to experience that 20 years ago. It was supposed to happen now. And it was supposed to be as fun as it was. So, yeah. So I actually in that time frame just after that altercation with those other mothers i didn't know how to go about this in a work but i happened to go to a doctor's appointment and he was a holistic physician and I don't remember why I went there anymore, but he recognized I was more stressed than I should be (laughs) as a stay-at-home mother. Now I know there's a lot of stay-at-home mothers are very stressed, but he recognized there was something more. And he asked me on a scale of zero through 10, what my stress level was. And I said, it was an eight out of 10. And then he asked me why. And it was that question that made me realize it was finding my mother on the bathroom floor when I was 19, because the tears were still just under the surface. So he used this technique with me that's called EFT, which is short for Emotional Freedom Technique. It's also called tapping. Have you guys heard of it?
0: We yeah. actually, um, Katie now. Um,
2: that sounds think, right. Yeah, I um, think that's who we it did was. interview somebody um, who does tapping and and kind of talked us through some of that. So we are a little bit familiar, not extremely okay. familiar, but a, a little bit.
1: Okay, good. Well, he tapped with me on my mother's death for about 15 minutes and I walked away from the appointment being able to tell the story of her death in my mind without the emotions there anymore. And that was the first time I realized that we hold all that trauma and all those emotions physically in our body and that we can let them go. So to me, that was mind blowing. So I went home that day and I learned everything I could about EFT because it was given away for free online by Gary Craig who developed it. And I, I wanted to know, I also wanted to know that it worked because I was actually a software engineer in my 20s. I have that kind of engineering mindset. I didn't want to waste my time on something that really wasn't going to work. So I wanted to check it out. And I had a 17-year-old cat at home at the time who would just been told needed to have a daily saline shot, like an injection of saline. First time I gave him that shot, my hand was shaking so bad. I knew I couldn't do it every day. It was just too emotional for me. So I tried it out. I tapped. I tapped about every aspect of it. So I tapped about my hand shaking, my fear of hurting the cat, and all the memories I'd had from all the injections I'd had because we'd moved around the world. I'd had a lot. And the next day, the needle just slid right in. All that fear that had been inside of me the day before had totally disappeared. And that's when I realized two things. I realized EFT was deceptively powerful. Because it doesn't look like it's doing much, right? We're just tapping on our body as we're talking through something. I realized it was deceptively powerful. And I realized the freedom was on the other side of that fear. And that's where I wanted to be. So that was the start of my journey.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? Yes okay I love a lot of his work he speaks to men's minds very well and so I love listening to him talk about things and he that's one of the things that I I took away from a lot of his work is that the you know the this biggest treasure that is in our life is on the other side of the dragon that we need to slay who's hiding in the woods in our life and we need to go into the place of the woods that seems the darkest to us and go face that fear and and the treasure's on the other side of doing that but you have to face it and that's Easy to say.
1: (laughs) It is. But for me, that example, right? Trying it out with the cat, which is a small thing, right? It wasn't something, wasn't a trauma that lived inside of me, other than you know, the memories of the injections. So it really gave me a feeling of I can do this, right? And just knowing that those emotions are just stuck inside of us, just energy that's stuck inside of us. It wants to find a way to release. And the tapping, the, the physical aspect of the tapping is what I realized is actually releasing that energy from the nervous system. So I started doing it every day. I started noticing when I was getting emotional, right? which in itself is not easy to do because we get caught up in our emotions. But if we can stand back and say, oh, look at me, I'm getting frustrated, or, I'm getting angry, and then tap on it and bring ourselves back to peace in the moment, that was making a difference. And I just kept doing it It became easier and easier to recognize when I was getting emotional. And I wanted more, I I could see things changing, and I wanted them to happen faster. (laughs) So I wrote down every emotional trauma, every emotional event that I could remember from my childhood, not necessarily trauma, right? Just anything that happened that was frustrating or disappointing or any of those emotions, even the beliefs that I had about myself. And I tapped through one each night for about an hour to an hour and a half each night while my husband was looking after the kids. (laughs) And over the months, I found myself becoming less reactionary, more peaceful inside. My mind was becoming quiet. right? And as those changes were happening on the inside, Changes were also happening on the outside. So the household became more peaceful because I was more peaceful. I was able to bring myself back to peace rather than get riled up because when you get riled up, right, other people around you get riled up as well. So things started to change and it it felt really good. And that was kind of the first step on my journey.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned about how your body holds that emotion inside of your physical body. I'm currently on a, a couple different health journeys. You know, I've got, uh, I'm going to call it a conditional diagnosis of MS. The doctor doesn't really know what it is, and that's what they're guessing, so that's how we're treating it. I also have a lot of ridiculous body pain. And and I, I went to a massage therapist recently for the very first time ever, and I'm just going to say, my God, that gal does not look like she should be able to hurt me the way she could. <laughs> <laughs> but but th- the thing was is that through all of that experience, you know, I found that, that a lot of, of what I, I have in my body, I think, is a lot of just pent up emotional stress and problems in my life that I've never dealt with. And I'm slowly trying to learn how to get to that point. And when we when we talked to um to Katie Now, you know, we talked about the tapping. That was one of those things that that I I'm the big hairy scary guy who's left brain's uber logical. That's that's the way I I, my mind works. And so when I look at that, my first thought is, oh, that seems kind of like woo-woo. Like if you don't you don't you can't tell me the science behind how this works. I'm just gonna call it like it's some sort of psychosomatic reaction or something. It's it's not not real. You know, it doesn't really work. And so that that's that was a struggle for me to to even believe that it, it did work. And we have used some of it with some of our kids and because we've got kids with With big buckets of trauma. And we've used some of that. And some of it's been incredibly useful. And I hate to admit that I can't figure it out. I don't understand why it
1: works. (laughs) Well, Gary Craig, who developed it, was a chemical engineer. That was actually part of the, the reason, the draw for me, because, okay, he's an engineer, so he must understand what's going on somehow, right? And I, I'm an engineer, and I realized it was absolutely working. you know. And in terms of children, I used to use it on my son when he was around eight or so, and he would have, had nightmares. I would just go up to his bedroom. I would tap on his points. I didn't need to use any words because the emotion was already living inside of him. I would just tap several rounds and then he would just say, "Okay, mom, I'm ready to go back to sleep now, because the fear that he'd been holding from the nightmare had just dissipated. And one time I was on an airplane and there was a mother and with a child in her arms who was screaming. And you know how people on airplanes do not like that. And he was still screaming when we got to altitude. So I thought, okay, well, I, I've got to try out this technique. I, I know it works, and maybe they'll be okay with it. So I had the the father swap places with me, and I asked the mother if it was okay if I tapped on her child. And I just tapped gently on him while he was screaming in his mother's arms. And two or three rounds, he relaxed and he fell asleep. Right? And people in the in the airplane are, are applauding because they're so grateful. <laughs> That something right. has changed. Yeah. So it really does work and it just takes trying it out. And I do think it's that physical aspect of tapping. It's releasing the stuck energy in the nervous system. That's the way I believe it works. I actually, I'm a hundred percent sure that it's actually releasing tension in the connective tissue of the body because of the next, next two steps along my journey. I realized that EFT is actually opening up the subconscious mind so our memories actually start to open up. And as it does that, our awareness expands. So you'll actually, if you work, do this work, you'll actually become more aware of those pains that are, that are living inside of you so that you can work on them. Right. So I became aware more of my emotions during the day. And then I became aware of the physical sensations underneath the emotions, because when we're When we're in an emotion like anger or sadness, we're actually holding tension in our bodies in certain places, right? Because if you see a child that's angry, you know they're angry just by the way they're holding themselves. We can become aware of that ourselves, those tensions inside of us. And when I became aware of those, I didn't feel like I needed to use EFT as much I wanted to actually do something called feeling your feelings because i had been in a group and the guy said, you don't have to meditate. It's all about feeling your feelings, which sounds so obvious, right? Of course, you can feel your feelings, (laughs) but there's a deeper layer to that. So when you become aware of those physical sensations, that again, it's stuck energy that wants to be released from the body. We've just been programmed to suppress it. At least I had. And so it didn't know how to be felt. So once I became aware of for me, it was mostly fear and it was mostly in my stomach solar plexus area. When I became aware of that tension, which was fear, I would hold my awareness or my attention on that fear. And I noticed if I moved or if I took a deep breath, I couldn't focus it on it on it anymore. It will have, it would have moved. So I realized actually I actually had to hold myself like a statue, stop breathing and just talk to that fear, that tension I can feel in my solar plexus. And at some point, I'd need to take a deep breath, and I'd let it out. And then I noticed that that fear would have shifted slightly. It wouldn't be quite so intense. So then I would think the same thought again, the one that had the fear. Do the same thing. Hold my breath. Hold myself like a statue. Feel that fear. Just allow it to be felt and it would release again. So I would do it over and over again with the same thought until all that emotion or the tension had released from my body, which kind of felt like the second step along my journey. It's a deeper step than the EFT, but one that anyone can get to.
0: Wow. Yeah. It, it's funny you mentioned, you know, feeling your feelings and and how obviously easy that is. And I'm just going to say, you know, to all my people out there who are just like me, who who don't feel many feelings, you know. Those of us who as American males, we, we, we don't have feelings is what we're, we're kind of brought up to believe, which I know is a, a line of BS. And, uh, <laughs> but, but it's in my, in my life, it's, it's fairly true. I do not experience much emotion. And, um, we have one of our kids who deals with some dis- dissociative, uh, stuff in his life. And it's very similar for him. He, he has a very difficult time feeling emotion a lot of times. And, um, We've been working through a couple different therapists, actually a play therapist and a, a equine therapist. And he has, he has learned to connect with the emotion of anger. Um, yes. Yes, he has. <laughs> <And,
1: laughs> now uh, I believe they're all there, right? It's just that it, they're hidden, right? That you've just learned to, to suppress them, keep them there. So that's where EFT can work, right? Cause I couldn't have done the feeling your feelings. I couldn't have done this second step without doing the first step because I had a lot of my feelings hidden as well. And the way you do that with EFT, because a lot of EFT is working with the emotions, but if you don't have, if you're not aware of those emotions, then you just work with words, right? So you know that something happened, right? So with my mother's death story, right? I could say, okay, I woke up one morning and I, I really needed to pee and have to go to the bathroom and walk down the hall and you know found her there. That's a story, underneath it are emotions, right? So if I tap through the story and then maybe tap from the story again, you do it again and again with EFT. So you tap through the whole story, come back to the beginning, do it again. And as you do it each time, the subconscious mind is opening up and you become aware of things that you weren't aware of the first time. So you would become aware of more details of the story and hopefully emotions at some point that are hidden underneath the story itself. And as you do it more and more, you do become aware of the emotions that had been hidden. And a lot of us don't remember a lot of our childhood. I always said that. Yeah. But as you do it more and more, it starts to open up and you do become more aware of it because it's stuck inside in the subconscious mind.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I know that I've lost a lot of memories of my own childhood. And it's crazy because, you know, I'll be somewhere at a family gathering and my sister will be telling a story and she's like. year and a half older than me I think and and she'll tell a story and I can remember it like it was yesterday but it was nowhere in my mind before that and usually after it's gone I don't remember what what story she told but a lot of my my own childhood has a lot of those stories that I just don't remember and I find it so interesting that that I can I know the story as she's telling it but I didn't know it beforehand and I'm like (laughs) yeah okay it's somewhere in there it's somewhere in there
1: right so when I wrote down all my childhood memories As I would tap, I would remember more. And then I would add them to the list and I would do those as well because they are all stuck in there and they will start to surface. And some of them aren't that pleasant, right? Because we've hidden them for a reason. But as you become more able to look at them and more willing to look at them, they will show themselves. We, We talk about the layers of the onion and that's absolutely the way it is. We work on one layer that gets cleared and then we're shown the next one
0: yeah amanda smiles as you say you know a lot of those memories aren't so pleasant because she has a lot of those memories she remembers a lot of her childhood and she had what you might call a traumatic childhood i think that's one way to put it
2: lightly yeah that's that's the way to put it lightly Yeah, I mean, me and Jason were, as far as emotions go, we're completely opposite. He has a really hard time identifying his emotions. Me, I'm very over emotional. You know, I can be like sitting here just normal as can be and three seconds from now, you might see me with my head twisting. Right.
1: So that, that, I mean, that's just another way of experiencing it, but you can change that. I mean, I can say that from experience that, You know, there were times in my life that I was also very emotional, but I didn't know why. And it was because that energy was stuck inside. And as I worked around, I do believe all those tears that we never shed in in childhood are still inside of us and they will come out if we allow them a way out. And that tapping provided that for me. So I used to cry quite a lot and I would say it's extremely rare. These days, for that to happen just because I'm so peaceful now compared to where I was before. My triggers, I work through my triggers and I'm not triggered like I was. In fact, I actually look for triggers now. I watch the news. I want to know where it's affecting me and I work on that deeper level.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned that those tears are still inside of you, but as an American male, you know, we don't cry, right?
2: No. (laughs) When you grew up, boys didn't cry you didn't show emotion you weren't supposed to do that if you did that you weren't a manly man you know and you were called derogatory names and
1: right so yeah. i think those are still stored inside and i do think they would come out if you did enough of this deep inner work
0: you know it's, it's oh, interesting yeah. how many of us <laughs> though that you know because i didn't grow up in a microchasm i you know i wasn't in a petri dish it was just culture at large that, that saw life this way
1: yeah, when we get programmed, we get programmed from our from our parents, from our school teachers, from our church, from society as a whole, and from government. We we those first few years of our life, we just suck it all in and we keep replaying it, but we don't realize that we're doing that.
2: Absolutely. And I mean, we have a guy that we speak to, and you know, he's been working with Jason a lot about what it feels like to feel those feelings because he didn't even even recognize that you know he's feeling something and it's a feeling you know there wasn't that correlation there and so that's kind of been an interesting journey just to see you know where he's coming and how he's kind of i guess coming out of his shell per se
0: well and like a lot of guys i did the 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 really effective therapy of um whiskey therapy <laughs> You know, but so many of us do it. And and again, you know, the, the dad's group I'm in, we talk about a lot, of, a lot of hard stuff in there. And it's amazing how many men self-medicate with drugs or alcohol or pornography, you know, just fall right on down that list of all the unhealthy behaviors that people tend to use as a way of covering any sort of emotion coming to the surface.
1: Right. Because they don't want to feel it. Yeah, I've been there too with food. It's like it was, it's too scary to feel it, or we don't feel we should feel it. Whatever it is, we have resistance to feeling it. And it's scary to feel it, but it's really just stuck energy and it wants to find a way out. And the really it, I remember feeling so heavy in my 20s and 30s because I was carrying that baggage. And now I'm beyond that. It feels so different and it's so worth the journey to release that baggage, right? And so that it's, it's easy to laugh, right? You feel light as you're walking along. It's, it's a very different experience of life to be beyond all that baggage. And it's worth doing.
0: I don't know if I'm ready to give up on my unhealthy food. So,
1: (laughs) 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 well, I think the, um, yeah, working through the emotions, uh, they change you anyway, right? So as you change what you desire might change right that the foods that you eat would probably change
0: and according to my doctor that would probably be a good thing
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes so let me tell you the next step on the journey because this is a step that I've not heard from other people so I want to share this so people know what we can actually do because I didn't know it was possible so I would work on these feeling the feelings and now in the evenings instead of doing the tapping, instead of tapping on my childhood, I would lay on the sofa and, and bring other things that I'd stored inside to mind, kind of like trale- collective traumas, like, like 9-11, right? We all had our own emotional experience for the, from those events. And I would think about them and feel all those emotions and allow that energy just to dissipate. And over time, and I don't remember the time frame, but over time, I got to the place where I could actually feel my awareness inside my body after the tension had left, which is itself a really weird thing to say, right? I've never experienced before. Never heard anyone talk about this before, but imagine you have a toothache or a stomachache. You can tell where that pain is. You can focus on it with your awareness inside. You know where that pain is coming from. But once the pain is dissipated, you can't find that place inside of you again, because there's nothing calling your attention to it anymore. I found that I could I could keep my awareness inside my body. And then I started to play with it. Well, I've done it once. Can I do it again? And I found that I could. And then, well, now what? <laughs> so I started to play and I found I could move my awareness inside my body, move it around so I could find a place that had tension on the inside. And then I would do the same thing as I was doing with feeling your feelings. I would focus on it, hold my awareness on it, allow it to be felt, and there would be a shift. And then I would do it again and again and again, and the tension inside would dissipate. Now, I kept doing this over the months, and eventually, many, many months later, I could put my awareness inside my head, which was a huge difference from in my body. Um, And I became aware of this incredible pain that I had had in my left cheek and the forces Pulling my bones out of alignment were just incredible. So to me, to realize at that point that I'd been living with this tension in my head for fifty years at that point, and I think right from my foot being born up against my shin, for me being born with my foot up against my shin, that had twisted my body. I'd, I've had scoliosis my whole life, and that tension had been in my head. All those years, but I had not had the awareness of it, right? So I've now got to the layer of the onion where I'm aware of that tension and pain inside my head, but I now have a tool, right? So I started focusing on it, it would shift again and again and again. And over time, I could feel things shifting, and I got to the place I could actually feel my skull bones relaxing into what I now know is an. And more aligned position but at the time it just felt like deep inner relaxation felt really good and I realized that I'm releasing tension or dis-ease in the connective tissue now I think that's happening all the way along right even from using EFT we're just not aware of it at that point but I think the whole journey is releasing tension in the connective tissue of the body and so it was really good to actually have my x-rays taken last year compared to 2013 and see that my skull bones have actually shifted. The eye sockets have aligned. My jaw was way off to the side and it's now more centered in my neck. It's way straighter than it ever has been. And I've grown half an inch at the age of 55. So we are incredibly powerful beings and we can do a lot of this change ourselves.
0: Yeah, and that all sounds really interesting to a guy who's lived in chronic pain for, uh, well, this is going to start with decades is probably the right number. <laughs> yeah. And
1: we, the thing is, we, we try and suppress it, right? We try and avoid it. We take medication. We do something to try and avoid the pain. My whole journey has been about accepting it, right? Just feeling it and allowing it to be felt. And to me, that's when the shift happens. So even with pain, Right. you can use you can work on pain with EFT or with feeling your feelings, and each time you're just feeling it and allowing it to be felt, and that's when when there's full acceptance, that's when the shift happens.
0: That's an amazing idea because, like I said, I, I have hurt for for decades, every part of my body. It's it's, and that's why when I have been going to the doctor lately, and they started looking at things like potentially something like MS being being part of my issues is that I'm like, yeah, I hurt. You know, I go into every doctor. That's one of the first things I talk about. I have a chiropractor who knows me very, very well. Um, I have probably pr- single-handedly supported the stock of Aleve um, <laughs> throughout the last few years because as much as you're not supposed to take that stuff all the time, because it can be dangerous to your to your intestines or your stomach, I, I have had way too much of that stuff because I all the pain, it's it's all tension related, it seems.
1: Okay, so if you were going to work on that with something like EFT, you would you would go through all your childhood traumas, right? Because that's that's stored inside in the connective tissue as dis-ease or pain, right? So I would work through all of those. I would also work on the pain itself, right? So you know, you with EFT you use you use words to bring the feeling back into the body. So it, you say, okay, I'm, I'm feeling pain or, and then you'd want to be specific. I feel pain here and here and here. You'd work on them one at a time and allow that to dissipate. And then you'd work on when things happen, when the pain started happening, right? If something happens before, like within the six to 12 months before the pain came on, maybe there was a big emotional event that happened. Then you would work through that with EFT so there's many many aspects that you have the opportunity to work on if you've got pain
0: yeah I have many aspects available to me apparently
1: <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: but you said something there and I don't know if it's necessarily just the accent and the way that you you, know, you may be pronounced it a little bit differently or if it's if you were intentional about that but you know, we, we talk about disease a lot in our life, and we say disease, and we always forget that that really is disease.
1: Yes, yes, that's why that's I talk about it that way. I can because I can sense inside the body. around, now, I can sense that it is just tension. It is disease in the body, that is tension in the connective tissue, and that's the darkness and that's the shadow. We use these words in the different um, arenas, but it is it is dark. And it could be called a shadow and it could be called dis-ease, but it's tension stored in the connective tissue. And when that releases, it's light underneath.
0: Yeah, I need to find more of that light because it sounds less painful and, and probably healthier for my own children to see see that version of me than the guy who's who's struggling in pain most of the time.
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: I feel like that's you know as parents that's one of the things that you know we're we're foster and adoptive parents we have bio kids like we've got all the kids Um, I don't have any there's no kid that you can you can give a a label in front of that I don't have I don't think I think I got them all Um, (laughs) but the truth is is my job as as a dad of any type is to to be able to learn these things not only for my own to you know to make my own existence better but to be able to teach this stuff to my kids and pass this on to them so that they can live a life without all the same struggles that I had. We, that I can leave a legacy that is fulfilling and helpful and that 100 years from now, the world's a different place because, because of how I lived my life and how I met, um, how I kind of mentored my own children through that because they will do what you do. You know, as a parent, I don't care. You don't have to worry a whole lot about what you say because they, they're really not listening very much. But you should really be concerned about the fact that they're watching everything that you do.
1: Absolutely. So if we can bring ourselves back to peace, right, and and actually feel that way, they're gonna pick up on that too. So to me, EFT was so great as a parent. I wish I had known it when my you know kids were infants, but <laughs> Better late than never, right? So if I if I'm feeling frustrated with one of them, right, I can go to another room, I can tap and let that energy flow, let it out of my body and come back to peace, then walk out the door, then and I can be peaceful with them in whatever situation they're in. And then we don't trigger each other, right? Things don't escalate the same way. My peace can actually bring them back down to peace. So it's a it's a huge tool that can be used in the moment, but also to change a sort of deeper level by working on our childhood.
2: Um, absolutely, because when I get up there and I'm triggered and you know I'm on the edge, so are my children. You know, they, they feed <laughs> okay. off of that energy right man, so the one
1: man. the one thing we don't want to do is be emotional or be um you know riled up and then tap on them right we don't want to do that <laughs> we <right>? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> because kind of they will happened. get they'll get turned off from tapping straight away but if we can bring ourselves back to peace and they can ask they can ask well how did you do, how did you do that mom how did you do that dad how did you find that peace again and then you know, then offer them the technique, you know, that that's powerful. But, but to me, the biggest part is working on ourselves, so that we can be peaceful around them. Now, if they're young, right, if they're, you know, probably five or under, we could probably just tap on them. If they were willing, we could just tap on them gently. And so that they could experience the technique and realize that it brings peace to them. But as they get older, it's, it's, it's trickier.
0: I think that's a great piece of advice to remember. You shouldn't do, you should never tap in air quotes on your children when you're, when When you're you're
1: angry. (laughs) That's when you tap on yourself.
0: Yeah. You're supposed to be tapping with fingertips, right? Not, not hard, big, heavy objects. Absolutely. (laughs) Because I I don't know how old your sons are, but we have a couple that are, that have been through the teenage years and they're already into their early twenties now. And I'm just going to say through some of those teenage years, I'm going to tap with a hammer some days. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, but those are the times you tap on yourself, right? That's when you're really riled up and you feel those emotions, right? And we can work on those emotions ourselves. And really, that does change the interaction. It's absolutely worth doing. And it's worth experiencing, right? Because sometimes it's hard to say this to people with words, but until they've experienced it themselves, they don't really believe you. So I highly recommend people learn it. I have a YouTube video on my YouTube channel which goes into all the details about EFT. You can learn it in five to ten minutes. It's very easy, and it's worth trying out.
2: Yeah, we'll have to take a look at that because we're we're always looking and and learning, you know. Because when you know more, you can do more, and you know, when you do better, it's better for everybody around you. You know, we use a lot of meditation, a lot of breathing practices in our house, you know, and so anything that a parent can have in their toolbox to help their children, but also help themselves, you know, that that's amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I never wanted to meditate. Right? That was part of my journey. It's like, no, I don't want to meditate. But I've had people over the you know, over the last year or so tell me it, it really is a form of meditation, right? I'm actually, when you're feeling those feelings, there is a, a form of meditation called Vipassana meditation, which I think is somewhat similar, where you're doing a body scan and you're feeling where the tension is. So it is somewhat akin to that. I just have never called it meditation.
0: Yeah, that's one of the first things that I learned on my journey was was the just the ability to stop, breathe, and focus on that one thing.
2: Grounding exercises have been amazing, you know, and, and I think that the tapping is a way of grounding yourself. You know? Absolutely, you know, it and is. And, yeah, and everything, and that can be so important. That's yeah. actually
0: something that we took away from the interview we did with Katie Nall that we I referenced earlier. Is you know we, you know. When we we have some little guys who have some um, diagnoses would be the the uh, very kind way of putting it some days um, and when they get spiked up into their amygdala, when they hit that fight or flight, and <clears throat> you can set them down and start just repeating some of those mantras and being very intentional about breathing slow and loud so that they kind of follow along and you work on some of those mantras to you know the fact that you're safe right here right now in this time in this place like we, we we had a whole thing set up and it was always amazing to watch how once you can get them to focus on the breathing and and begin to bring some of those things into view they're focusing on the body not the thing that's made them insane in the moment. They're focusing on on other things and it can change their their mindset rel- relatively quickly, especially if you've ever had, you know, an angry seven-year-old who who's wants the world to burn.
1: Yeah. Now I would say that EFT works slightly different and it's kind of subtle, but the difference with EFT would be allowing that anger to be felt, right? So they would tap, or you know, if it was me, I would tap on I am so angry. I'm so angry that that happened. I'm so mad with that person. I'm so mad with whatever happened and allow that anger to be felt. And that way it actually leaves the body. Sometimes in those where you're actually trying to change the way they're feeling, it can get suppressed and then it will come out again later, right? So it, it kind of can get stored that way. This actually allows it to leave the body so that next time it won't actually be as an intense. To me, it's, it's changing ourselves at a deeper level so that over time it actually disappears. Right, do you understand that slight difference there?
0: Oh yeah, that, that's, you know, and like Amanda mentioned, we, we have our toolbox of things that we work on um, because, you know, my psychology degree is, um, that PhD is written in crayon. And I made it myself and that's, that's part of our jobs is just to be like part-time amateur psychologists who aren't very good at this stuff. And so, you know, we tried, we've tried a lot of things and some of it works better than others. And, and I am totally not adverse to trying this with, with other, with some of our kids and some of the situations just to go, Hey, let's try a different tool because you know, we, we try to, and this is a man thing I know, but, you, know, you try to fix everything with the tools you have. And if all you have is a hammer, you try to fix everything <laughs> with a hammer and you don't get a screw to go into the wall very well with a hammer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would recommend trying it on yourself first, right? So any parents that are listening, try it on yourself first. Don't, don't use your child as a guinea pig. Oh, <laughs> try it on yourself. That
2: YouTube video. You know, but the thing is, is right now we live in, a, in an amazing time. You know, people are finally talking about things like this mental health and taking it serious, you know, because when I was growing up, you didn't talk about it. You didn't talk about it. You didn't say anything. You didn't go to a doctor. You didn't see a holistic doctor. You didn't take medication. You know, it was something to be very ashamed of. You know, and I'm so thankful that we live in a time with our children where mental health and trauma are being discussed you know, and we've got the world at our fingertips with the internet. You can look, you can search, you can find these things, you know, when before, you know, you didn't, you right. know, yeah, just- we never
1: talked about it either, never talked about it. And one of the things that I've realized from my journey, I, and why I'm part of the reason I'm sharing it is because it's so obvious to me, the connection between the emotions and the physical right? If I've been started working with the words and the stories and the emotions, and I've changed my physical structure as a result, then of course, it's connected. And of course, we should be working on it all at the same time.
2: You know, I, I completely agree with you. You know, Jason had mentioned, I grew up with a, a lot of trauma. You know, I, I should have been in the system, but I, I was overlooked, I was missed. And into my adulthood, I have taken the trauma of my childhood because I had never dealt with it, you know, and that manifests in all different ways, how I interact with my children, how I go about my day, you know, and sometimes the panic attacks, they're real and they're intense, you know, and we've, you know, found some tools and techniques that really, really help bring me down when I'm so high. You know, and so anything that we can do, you know, to help ourselves makes ourselves better for our children.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason I started this, Jenny, because I, I could tell I was not a calm mother, <laughs> and I so wanted to be a peaceful mother, and I, you know, I found. it it worked because I remember there was a mother that came up to me after a few years and said, I want to be as peaceful as you are. So, okay. Yeah. This work has, has changed me so that I do. I do appear to be peaceful. I mean, I was peaceful. So yeah, I I didn't want to carry that with me either.
2: I I don't know many of us mothers that, you know, say I want to be that mom that screams and yells at my children (laughs) all the time.
0: You know, I,
2: I I don't think that's, you know, most mothers goals, so anything that we can do to help. You know,
0: you mentioned something a few minutes, moments ago that, that also I think it's super important for us to realize, and that is that trauma is currently something that more so than in any time in our history that I can imagine is global. You know, you mentioned nine 11, you know, look at, look at, um, Covid and the experience we've all been through with that, you know, all these different things. My my older kids have grown up in a world where they have never known a life that doesn't involve a big bad boogeyman trying to kill you. Whether it was Saddam Hussein or or Osama bin Laden, name your terrorist. Uh, there's always been this existential threat that hangs in in the balance and could affect your life at any given moment. And the generation of, of kids that have come up over the last twenty years or so have never lived without that threat, without that kind of a trauma. It's a generational trauma, not just something that that only people who have certain things that happen to them experience.
1: Right. And we have more control over that than we think we do, right? Because we can feel those emotions, right? We might not know they're there. So we can tap on the story, right? The news story. We can actually allow that tension, to release i I believe a lot of things come up in our lives so that we can look at them and release them right it's kind of that onion again what's coming up now is for us to look at and release so if we can watch the news and hear all these bad things and still be at peace then we know that we're actually working through it and we're we're healing at a deeper level now there's two levels of being in there, right? There's the being there and suppressing it and not realizing that there's emotion there or there's the listening to it and realizing that we have released the emotion, right? So those are two very different stances of listening to the news, but we want to move from one to the other.
2: Well, and the thing is, is this can help everyone. There's not a single person on this earth that walks this earth that does not experience some form of trauma my trauma is different from his and from everybody else's but you do not walk this earth and not experience trauma
1: absolutely yeah it's just some of us are more aware of it than others
2: yes (laughs) very true
0: I felt your eyes looking at me on that one, Amanda. <laughs> they, they <may> have been, <laughs> but
2: thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. It's been very enlightening.
1: You're welcome. It's been a great conversation. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I'm certain that this one is something that could go out a lot of places because these are ubiquitous problems that run across culture, across age, across gender, across race it's, it's just everywhere. It's something that everyone needs, but you know, people in our audience who deal with, especially, I'm going to point out, especially foster and adoptive parents, we have a lot of this show up in our lives and it, it brings some of our own struggles and traumas to the forefront. And we can't really help kids very well deal with theirs if we haven't dealt with our own. Absolutely. Okay. Foster Care Nation. Thank you for listening to Anne's story. Now take her knowledge and wisdom to heart so you can create love and healing in your family and community. Be sure to come back next week. We have new episodes every Tuesday. If you would like to share your story as a guest, you can reach us at Jason at fostercarenation.com. You can connect with other like-minded people on Facebook at facebook.com groups fostercareuj. And don't forget, we have an account over Buy Me A Coffee. It's like a virtual tip jar where you can help us fund our mission for as little or as much as you want. It's at buymeacoffee.com fostercare. The links to everything are in the show notes on your podcast player or at fostercarenation.com. And, as always,
2: you are so super awesome. I thank you guys so cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks, thanks, thanks.
0: Unparalleled <laughs> Studios. studios.